All right, Justin, I need you to sing me a song that's about somebody, but when it really comes around to it, it's not actually about them. It could be about anyone in the world. I like it. What was that? That might be the the, the the hardest one you've ever come up with. That, that uh, is not harder than the Rambo one. Because <laughs> you could have you could have at least said something like, uh, what is it? Uh that you're so vain. You could have at least sang that song. That's what I was literally just thinking for that one. Mm. So you're catching me off guard here. Yeah, why couldn't you have just said sing something about clowns? Sing you're so vain, you know? Or you could do Sin in the Clowns like they did in the movie. Well, no, we can't sing that song. Like, oh, I would it's... refuse. Yeah, yeah. Because that's by Gary Glitter. <laughs> oh. And that motherfucker is a convicted pedophile. What the fuck are they doing? Oh, my. They are literally giving a convicted pedophile just tons of money. What the fuck? I'm not going to lie. I did not know that. So. Didn't know yes. that either. Gary Glitter is a convicted pedophile. Solid. Okay. So don't sing that so, one. Go back to yes. You're So Vain. And good. Because. Okay. Yeah, that had no lyrics, you asshole. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? I, I mean, I know what the song was, but that had nothing to do with the song I requested of you, Justin. You have failed this test, too. Yes, I'm sorry. I can't believe you said this one was harder than the Rambo one. It was too much to remember. You said too many words. <laughs> On this one or the other one? <laughs> Both. <laughs> really both <laughs> i was about to say the last one i asked you to sing a song about a vietnam vet weirdly experiencing P uh, ptsd and probably one of the third racist movies of all time <laughs> or something like that i don't remember what the fuck i said either i know that was the gist of it though anyway let's start the episode <laughs> Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. It is Heather Justin and I, Sterling, here to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie Joker. If you could not tell about all the clown talk beforehand, and unfortunately, I probably kind of tipped my hand about how I felt about this movie already. Go fucking figure. But Heather and Justin are here to also say things. So we're going to start with uh, Justin. What'd you like about Joker? Okay, so what did I like? about joker well um walking out of the movie there were definitely quite a few things th that i did appreciate about this film um i'd be remiss if i didn't say anything about the dark gritty atmosphere of the film i thought that it was the the perfect type of atmosphere for this story it um if if there was going to be a movie about a Joker, I imagine that the I, I would imagine that that movie would have to be darker. It would have to be grittier. It kind of did that kind of showing the um, the kind of the, the the lower side of Gotham City and everything like that. So and, and the and the film definitely had its integrity with that. It it stuck to that. Anytime that it showed a scene, there was just kind of like these dark, gritty kind of features about it. And I appreciated that. And I know that the director of this film said that he's a big fan of Martin Scorsese and that um, and that a lot of this kind of he said he wanted it to kind of mirror his filmmaking style. And I could definitely see that 
in the film, just some of the shots. And I believe this was shot in New York, if I'm not mistaken. So you, you could definitely see that. You could definitely see in how he would shoot some of the cities, how he would shoot some of the city, like the panning shots and different things like that. He really tried to kind of give it that sort of inner city feel. So I did appreciate that as far as just the um, the atmosphere of the movie. Um, another thing that I appreciated just about, you know, technical stuff and shooting and cinematography and stuff was just that he used a lot of camera shots to visually tell the story without saying too much of what was going on. Um, one thing that stands out in particular, and I'll kind of move on, was how he shot um, how he shot Joker and the scenes with the stairs and everything like that. Like everybody saw the dancing sequence where he's dancing and he's full on in Joker garb and he's dancing down the stairs and he's just having a good old time. Everybody's kind of seen that scene in the previews. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you saw any Joker preview, you saw that. And there are so many memes, so many pictures of that. You know, you just kind of can't go anywhere right now without seeing that scene. Um, but one of the more interesting things about it, just as you're going through this story um, about this character, Arthur Fleck and everything, is uh, at the beginning of the movie, he's just, everything is just going wrong. People are being horrible to this person. Like, life is really tough for this character. And there are these scenes where he's and he takes kind of the same path home or to go to work etc cetera, etc cetera. so there are these scenes where as his life was so bad before he kind of discovered this joker persona and this whole thing with the clowns and everything like that there are scenes where he's walking down the steps and he's just d d or walking up the steps sorry and he's like depressed and he's sad and everything is just go going wrong in his life and we'll get into specific examples I'm sure as we go along here but everything was just going wrong for this character at the beginning of the film and I thought it was really interesting Cal visually you saw him walking up the stairs and it seemed like his life was getting worse he was going up the stairs almost like he was trying to when he was trying to be this like productive honest member of society nothing would go right for him everything was just going wrong for arthur but then at the end of the movie when we see that recognizable scene where he's dancing and he's in full joker garb he's actually going down the stairs and i just thought that that was very fitting you know what i mean like as he dwindles further down into the dark mm he's also realizing who he is and kind of becoming this Joker character. So that con that visual contrast was definitely something that stood out to me. Uh, another thing to talk about, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but Joaquin Phoenix, man, I mean, he is the main character of this film. He have the most to do they the, the minor characters don't get as much to do here so a lot of this really is riding on his performance as Arthur Fleck and this kind of transformation to becoming the Joker and I do believe that he nailed this performance this character um 
and what the, this character journey was and what this character was supposed to be, Joaquin Phoenix just really did an amazing job. And he definitely brought some nuances to this character that I think are going to be memorable and people will remember for a long time. Uh, You know, that that was the thing about Ledger's performance in The Dark Knight is that the way he did certain things, how he would lick his lips and uh, different things like that because of the scars on his mouth. There were distinct things that he would do that just, when, when you think about that Joker performance, there were just certain nuances he added to the character. Back to Joaquin Phoenix, I loved how he laughed in this movie because every laugh kind of seemed like it almost served a certain type of purpose or or like you you could tell when he was laughing and it was kind of like this mechanical laugh because he thought he should laugh at something like when he's sitting there watching the comedy show and he's laughing at kind of the wrong beats and the wrong parts so you could tell when it was kind of a manufactured laugh to fit in but some of the laughs that stood out to me because this character does have this uncontrollable laughter condition is when he would experience something hurtful or something painful but he would be laughing And Joaquin Phoenix just did a phenomenal job because you could see the pain on Arthur's face, even though he was laughing. You could see that. You could sense that. Even though this character is laughing, he's laughing, but you could just you just knew he was hurting just the literal version of the sad clown. And I really appreciated that. Also, Joker, that laugh is such a high-pitched laugh, so it makes sense that a person who's going at that high pitch and doing it for that long would choke up on himself sometimes. So that was just, you know, him laughing at that high pitch and then choking, you know, kind of almost choking and gagging because it's taken a lot out of his throat to be able to do that. That was a very nice, realistic touch. Nothing I had even thought about, but they added that here. And I thought that that really was like one of those nuances that just added something to uh, this Joker character. Uh, uh, And a couple of more things I'll say about it is that I do appreciate that this movie wasn't afraid to tell a sad story. You you know, that's one thing that I will say about it, though there are certain plot elements and things I wish they had done, but we'll get to dislikes in a minute. But I do appreciate that they said that this is going to be kind of one of those tales where it's going to be a little emotionally draining it's going to you're going to see a lot of sad things you're going to see a series of unfortunate events and you're going to have to sit there and kind of absorb all this darkness and sadness and the movie Uh, doesn't seem to stray away from that. That is the story that they wanted to tell. And that's kind of the story that it gives you. It, It really gives you this kind of this story of this person who had these mental issues. And it just seems like no matter where he turned, whether it was his mother or society, different things like that, it just seemed like everything was tearing him down until he kind of decided to fight back in his own way. So, it not being afraid to tell that story 
um, I do think it does deserve um, a kudos for that. And then the last thing I'll say about it is that the 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 ending has raised all sorts of conversation, and there are di- so many different. I've heard so many different interpretations of what happened at the end of this. What what part of this was a delusion of this character? What part of this was something that actually happened? Was this their way of saying that he's not actually the Joker, but he's inspiring someone who will eventually come become the Joker. That's a theory I've heard. Um, You know, there's just been several theories out there about what the ending means and different people are, are walking away with different interpretations. And to have to come out of a movie and have people talking and different things like that. um, Although it hasn't all been positive, most of it has and the audience and audiences are really seeming to enjoy this film much more than critics are enjoying this film so i think there is something to be said for that it does kind of have this it it, it found a way even though it's telling a story about this villain to kind of have this artistic type of ending where different interpretations can be drawn and i think with a character like this, some of those things can can be hard to do, but this film does manage to do that. It manages to be dark and gritty, yet artistic in its approach and storytelling. And those were the main things that I appreciated about the film. Heather, your turn. What did you like about Joker? Yeah, I mean, I think undeniably the best thing about this film was Joaquin Phoenix's performance. I think he did do a great job of it. And those little things that you were talking about, Jason, like the subtle things or even the not subtle things but how he played some of those things subtly like with the the laughing condition and all of that where it's not just the laughing it's the choking up or the like expression on his face where you could tell like what type of nervous or laughing he was actually doing and like what emotion he was feeling with that was done really well too and i also think that his uh the way that he portrayed really trying to um, you can see that he's he's really trying to be, quote unquote, a normal person in society. And he's he's trying to fit in. He's trying to do things that to where he, he won't he won't feel or people won't feel like he is um, so different in a sense. And I like the way that they portrayed him trying to be that that person who was like, you know, he, he was trying to not seem so um different than other people and the struggle he was having with that even when he was trying his hardest with it and i thought that that was really well done um yeah i think he just like just everything about how he did it pretty much was really he crafted it very well he he did just a really good job of you i mean there are points in in it when you feel sympathy for him um you feel angry for him you feel sad for him and then other times when you're just like, I I hate what he's doing and I hate who he's being and like I hate him as a character almost, you know. So it's he he takes you through all these emotions and makes you feel a lot of different things about who he is too. At least for me he did. So I think that, that in itself says obviously he did a really good job with this character and how he brought this character to life. Um definitely a lot of things about it that were different than other things I had seen in, in other, um, I guess, uh, performances or um, portrayals of the Joker. But, um, and one interesting thing about it is, and I I went back and forth with if this was a good or bad thing, 
I think it's mostly a good thing, though, is the fact that with this movie and how they did it and the story that they told, honestly, I really feel like it could have been like an original character that nobody had known anything previously about and they could have made this same movie and it probably would have been just as good and maybe even better at some points because of people that have their ideas about how the Joker should be. <laughs> but just how they told the story and the story that they did tell, a lot of it really could have just been just an original character and it could have been the same story and it would have told a complete story if even if it hadn't been the Joker. And I think that that was kind of cool because if you don't, I think even if you don't know anything about the Joker, like let's say you've never seen the Dark Knight or the older Batman films or any Batman films and you come in watching this one and you're going to really just believe that performance and like, oh, that's why he's such a villain and all this. That's why I hear all this stuff. So it's it's one of those where you don't have to see um, other performances to believe this. But also, if you did and you still if you if you were looking at it from a perspective of not like, oh, it's about the Joker. That's why I want to see it. I think it still tells a good story and an, an interesting story of of this character and his journey. So I think I kind of, more than I didn't, I appreciated that because it's, I mean, a good story is a good story. So for me, I liked that. Um, honestly, other than that, I would say um, the supporting roles were good because there's not, I mean, some of them have more screen time than others, but for the most part, even the supporting characters aren't really front and center for a lot of it. But I think that they did their supporting roles well, which is good. Um, Zazie Beetz, um, his mom, I forget her name, but um, and Robert De Niro, like all of them had smaller roles, but they were important roles and they did them really well. So they helped support this performance that Joaquin Phoenix did. Um, and they kind of helped elevate, in a sense, him being so up front and center. And so they, they did their job well enough to allow him to kind of be that shining role. And also, just like, I, I think sort of what you were saying, Jason, about the just how it was shot and how it was filmed, like you really feel like he's like dead in the center of this, like not great society and like the this rundown area and all these things and the way that it was filmed and shot and just kind of the things that you're seeing going on around him. It was very, very well done. It was very believable with that. So, um, yeah, and I, I really, I think probably probably one of the most memorable parts of the movie for me was the um, towards the end when he's on the talk show and he's given that whole speech about, um, you know, this is what your society thinks of people like me. And that whole thing was a really well done scene. And I think of all of the things in the film, that's sort of the um, what I would consider to be more Joker mindset from other things I've seen than anything else that he had done in the movie. So I think I liked that part of it more for that reason. But in general, I think the whole like last half hour of this movie was probably more entertaining than the whole rest of it. But I mean, it was good though, because it captivated me. You know, it like it drew me in. I wanted to know what was going to go happen and um, what he was going to do. And, <laughs> you know, so I think... Um, it did a good job of really reeling me in because he is so unpredictable in this movie that I didn't know what was going to happen in some of the situations. So I think they did a good job of that too. 
So those, yeah, I think that's it for me. Anything else, guys? Nope. Well, well, well. Now it's my turn. So to begin with my likes, I'm going to have to just go into dislikes. That's the greatest thing about this. <laughs> really? Fuck this movie. Fuck Nothing this about movie. it? Wow. <laughs> no, this movie's fucking garbage. Like, and the more I've sat on it, the more I fucking don't like it. Like, I know a lot of people want to give Joaquin Phoenix credit and they're like, oh, he carried the movie. He did all this, all that. He's the only fucking actual character in this movie. Everybody else has fucking five seconds of screen time. Of course he fucking carried this movie. He's the only fucking actual character in it. Everyone else is just glorified fucking extras. So no, I don't give him credit for the acting on it. Like... And on top of it, everything was so shallow. Like a lot of people talk about how this movie is like a really authentic or groundbreaking portrayal of mental illness and stuff like that. It's not. It's a very shallow portrayal of it. Because to me, it never actually comes across as him struggling with mental illness. It has him having it and then just descending into it. There was no struggle with it. He just kind of went along with it. And and you're also hearing people talk about how this is like a masterpiece or it's groundbreaking or it's changing the genre of comic book movies and everything like that. It's not in any way, shape, or form. There are better comic book movies out there that deal with actually real shit, but people don't want to actually acknowledge that they're fucking comic book movies. I mean, when you look at it, is this movie better than Road to Perdition? No, it's not. Road to Perdition is a comic book movie. Is this movie better than A History of Violence? No. Guess what? That's a comic book movie, too. Is this movie better than Old Boy, the original, not the Spike Lee remake? No. Comic book. Like, this isn't groundbreaking for comic book movies. All they did was essentially remake fucking, what, Taxi Driver and fucking make it the Joker instead of a fucking guy with a mohawk. Like, that's all they really did. Like, for one, the biggest sin of this movie is they wasted Zazay Beats. I mean, you sit there and you go and you cast Zazay Beats and she's what on screen for what 4.2 milliseconds like fuck <laughs> off like i understand robert de niro's like swarmed in controversy right now but fuck he was on screen for what 3.7 minutes like mark maron's in this he could have not been uh just nothing in this movie mattered outside of walking phoenix so the fact that they want to act like he did anything extraordinary to actually get this movie from beginning to end is not all he did was actually just do what the script said for the most part i mean i, I, I don't actually know that i haven't read the script but i'm just saying like all he did was play the role like to me it wasn't groundbreaking it didn't like i said he didn't carry the movie he just was the movie that's what it was i mean the writers did that the writers made him carry the movie because they just wrote a movie about one character and then just kind of gave other people names and gave them like four lines of dialogue each and went oh we've got a fully fleshed out movie you don't i mean even if we want to like tackle it like any of these like i said the, the shallowness of everything the 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 actually the way it tackles mental health is just incredibly shallow the way it tackles of what some people have been calling incel culture now I, I don't necessarily believe that's exactly what they were going for in this movie but that whole i'm downtrodden so i feel like society is against me so i'm going to be violent was a very superficial take on that uh, just the fact of him being a villain at all was superficial. Like he, he was to the degree of like, they tried to make him be a sympathetic character that turned into a villain and it wasn't, he was a sympathetic character that just became a villain. And then they glorified him. Like that's not what the Joker is. Nobody in Gotham city glorifies the Joker with the exception of a few other, like other criminals. That's the whole point. But you have mass amounts of people glorifying the the, the the fucking joker so to sit there and say that this is like a this weird like 
mirror into our society and all this other stuff is a very shallow way of looking at this movie because it's not it's exactly what it's saying it's going to rail against you know whenever it sits there and it's like oh you know we're the poor and we're going to rally on against the rich like at the same time i mean you're fucking warner brothers making a fucking dc movie based on one of the biggest properties you have it's not like you you know you were really making an independent film that you had to struggle for financing or anything like that like come on that's exactly th- this film is going to make money just from its sheer connection to batman because i think batman's the one comic book hero out there that's more or less consistent made money even with shitty fucking movies you know i mean batman versus supernet like notwithstanding really or justice league i mean i'll say that you know they probably made more money than they would have or they would have yeah if they didn't have batman in them you know if batman versus superman was just legitimately superman 2 with no batman it would have made the money it had if justice league had just wonder woman aquaman cyborg and the flash it would have made the money it did you know the batman's that always constant i'm gonna give you you know a couple of hundred million dollars just because batman's in the title type of fucking box office draw and it, like i said it didn't turn comic book movies on its head it kind of just followed the tropes of what typically good comic book movies do to me Co- good comic book movies take a genre film take something that's kind of a standard formula you understand from a different type of genre and then just insert comic book characters into it. Uh, Look at Captain America First Avenger. You're taking essentially Indiana Jones and making it Captain America. Uh, Look at Captain America Winter Soldier. You're taking a very 80s-style spy noir thriller and just putting superheroes in it, you know. Uh, Look at something like uh, uh, Thor Ragnarok. You're kind of doing like a space opera, putting superheroes in it, you know. You take Guardians of the Galaxy. I know and this is the last one, I promise, because I've been doing this a lot, and my cats are already tired of it, and that's why they're fighting each other. You take Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's essentially a spaghetti western that you just put in outer space with superheroes in it. That's what the good comic book movies do, is they take something, and they just insert superheroes into it and make it blend and work. That's exactly what this movie did. It just did that, but it did it to such a bland degree that Joker is the most unnecessary character in his own fucking movie because he could be anyone. That doesn't make it a Joker movie. It just makes it a movie about a guy that becomes a serial killer, and then you, instead of just having it be that movie, you put him in some fucking clown makeup and called him the Joker. Yeah, see, that was, yeah, that's exactly what my debate was, because part of me is like, it's good that it works well as a movie without it being the Joker, but the fact that it is that makes it a little bit like, why does this have to be the Joker's movie? So yeah, I get that. Like, and that's the thing, is if you're going to do a comic book movie and something like that, it, it, it's ultimately got to be about the character and that's not what this movie is you know it's it loses the point of demarcation of him being a villain instead of a villainous hero they lost that in this movie that's what this movie desperately this movie desperately needed a good character to balance off of it desperately needed that and in no way shape or form did it ever have that every character in this movie was essentially an evil fuckhead i mean they completely ruined thomas wayne which don't even get me into the ramifications of what that would mean for batman if if that was the version of thomas wayne that would lead to batman he would never become batman because he'd be like an entitled asshole and would think that gotham doesn't need saving gotham just can die on its own uh you look at his mom his mom which should have been a sympathetic character just turned out to be a lying asshole that abused him you look at robert de niro's character 
who was just a fucking asshole. You even look at Zaze Beat's character and that little bit that she's on it, you know, and the, all this other stuff. They more or less have her joking about a guy stalking her and how he should have robbed the place. Like, who really does that? That's not what normal people fucking do. They're all just terrible fucking people. And this movie completely glorifies that. And it's not even in like a retrospective or a meta way or anything like that. This movie does it because it, it doesn't know how to fucking handle itself, so it does it the only way it knows how, because Todd Phillips just understands culture like fucking nothing. I mean, he says he can't make comedies anymore because of cancel culture and how we're too woke now for him to make funny movies, not realizing that his funny movies just really aren't that funny outside of like a one-time view. Like... Don't get me wrong. The first time I saw The Hangover, I thought it was funny. I thought it was great and funny. Then the second time I watched Hangover, I was like, oh, no, it loses all of that on a second viewing. And then you watch Hangover 2 and you go, oh, that's just the same fucking movie again. And then you watch Hangover 3 and then you seriously question yourself because why the fuck did you do that to yourself again? But you did anyway because it's just the same fucking movie again. And that's what Todd Phillips does. His sense of humor has always been the same and just society passed him. So now he's trying to do, he's trying to do these these you know gripping uh like cerebral type of movies but he's doing a version of a fucking movie that we got in what the 80s you know this is like so he's still behind in the times when it comes to this shit he can't fucking catch up to 2019 to save his fucking life uh where else to go from this point because i'm i'm not done i feel like i should be at this point but i'm not i i guess what i'll end on so i can let you guys talk a little bit before i probably you know say some more things in between each one of your little sayings and stuff like that is that the basic even narrative structure of this movie is insanely flawed because todd phillips is such a terrible fucking director that somebody came up to him afterwards and was like hey i've got this theory about the joker he's like what is it and they were like i think that this isn't the actual joker that is the one that batman fights in the future because this would be you know like 20 years ish roughly before uh batman would be batman and the joker would be his villain uh he doesn't think that this is the actual joker that's in that that the this guy and these riots are the ones that inspire a younger person to become the joker that will be the one that's batman's villain and todd phillips is like you you could be right and when i'm reading this and I'm, all i'm thinking is oh he didn't fucking know he doesn't even know his own movie enough to actually be able to give an answer so he's going to play it off as coy because that's not actually how it comes across it comes across that where he understands everything so fucking little that He's just grasping at straws to try to strengthen the argument for his movie being good when it didn't actually deserve that based on any of the evidence given in the fucking movie. And to just touch back on something I mentioned earlier, he's so out of touch with things that he thought it was a great idea to put a fucking song by a convicted child molester <laughs> in this movie giving this guy royalties from it come the fuck on heather what do you not like about this movie i think this might be the most like f-bombs you've dropped in one of these in a while so that's some that's well because this isn't your mama's podcast <laughs> this is the joker version of this podcast right. i'm gonna say fuck a lot <laughs> um so going back to what i had kind of mentioned earlier about like the um just the way that the characters portrayed in this while i do think this version of it was done well for what they were trying to do just from what i have seen in the other ones like obviously dark knight or even um 
the Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman, or just really any of those. Just the the way that I understand the Joker's character to be is that he is just mass chaos just for the sake of being mass chaos. Like, and, you know, like I was saying with the scene at the end where he starts saying like, you know, you people wouldn't care about me or the society doesn't care anything about people like me. And so that was sort of his motive and a little bit more of him being like, yeah, I killed those guys and I am not upset about it. Like that was way more Joker than the rest of how he was in the movie. And for me, I think that this version of it sort of takes away um, a little bit more of why the Joker is such a great villain because he is just pure evil for the sake of being evil and just creates madness in whatever just because. And in this one, to me, it seemed like they were just trying to say he's like that because he was bullied so much that it made him like that. And it kind of, in a sense, takes away because I feel like as crazy as the Joker as a character is, he's completely in control of what he decides to do. And I think that this version of it took away that whole him controlling how he wanted to be. And it made it seem like he was that way because he was forced to be that way because he was bullied so much because he had mental health issues. And I just think that that really takes away from the version of the Joker that I've come to understand and appreciated sort of as a villain for Batman is that he's completely in control in a sense of what he's doing. He completely knows and he wants to do it just because he wants to do it. And this sort of him having even the laugh, the laughing condition that he had, which was an interesting element to put in it. I don't know if that's been something in anything related to him before, but um, either way, it was an interesting element to put in. But also another thing of like, he couldn't control it. He wasn't in control of it. And the thing about that, you know, infamous laugh that he has is, oh, he's laughing in an evil way because he did something evil and he's happy about it. You know, so just those little elements where I feel like it's, it's making the Joker more human, which I understand the appeal of trying to do that. But it just makes him as that Batman villain less of like the great villain that I've come to understand of who he is. So in that respect, as much as this version and how it was done, it was very well portrayed, but it wasn't the it, it just kind of took away, I feel like, a little bit of the um, the power and control that the Joker had and what he was doing and why like he was a powerful villain because of the fact that he was you know, just that confident, like, I'm doing this because I'm going to do it and I'm going to prove a point. I'm going to do any means necessary to make that point. And this a little bit more towards the end, it got that way. But for the most part, it just seemed like he only got that way after, you know, being kicked, kicked in, you know, in his life so many times that that's just what he became in a way. So that was kind of my biggest thing with it is just, you know, it, it kind of took away the not really appeal. That's a bad word for it because of him being a villain and all, <laughs> but just the, um, the thing that draws you into why the Joker is so, um, I guess the captivating in a way as a villain. And, um, and that's why, like you were saying, Sterling, and sort of what I was trying to say earlier is that this could have been a movie about anyone and you could have got the same point across and it would have been just as good of a movie. It didn't have to be about the Joker. So, um, and yeah, it's weird because I'm on the fence with that. Like part of me is like, that's cool because, you know, you can 
you could take it and it could have been about anyone and still have been just as good. But also, you know, if that's the case, why, why in a sense make it the Joker then at that point? And I also wasn't sure how I felt about the, <laughs> the revision of what they did with him in relation to Batman and the Wayne family, because <laughs> I was just like, it threw me off, which I guess it was like, okay, well, that's a twist I didn't see coming, but it just kind of his motives and just, I don't know, all of it just kind of seemed a little bit off because of him supposedly thinking he was related to, to Bruce Wayne and the Wayne family and all these things. And also it was a little confusing at points to know what actually was happening and what was just in his head for a little bit. Um, some of it was obvious, like his whole um, relationship he had with his neighbor with Zazie Beats. That was clearly obviously in his head. <laughs> um, but there were some things that I'm like, is that supposed to be in his head? Was it not? Like when he did go and, um, you know, meet the Wayne family and, and the whole thing about um, the letter that he found that his mom wrote and just all these things where it's like, okay, what's real and what wasn't real. So some of it was like, I thought I knew. And then after having a few conversations with some people about it, I was like, oh, Maybe I didn't understand what was in his head and what wasn't for all of it. So maybe um, maybe a little bit more clarity on that would have been good. But yeah, just um, it's a, a very dark movie for sure. And I don't mind that. But I do I do think it's interesting just the hype and the, the media that's surrounded it in general has been very much like, no, you're going to be really disturbed. This movie is very different and it's not your typical R-rated type of movie and all these things when sure you're, that's right and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of that had to do with the mental health aspects of it and trying to be a little bit more sensitive to that or just make people more aware of like that's going to be a big part of this movie but as a general rule I have seen a lot of other movies that were just as disturbing if not more than this one so it was interesting to me that they were making this one like that was the huge thing surrounding this one was like, oh man, it's so disturbing and all these. And it was. And to be honest, it was actually very hard to watch because, you know, anytime that you see people just for the sake of it, you know, bullying or picking on somebody, especially with a mental health problem, that's hard to watch for me. And so those aspects of it, I think that they did that a bit much, um, probably to make a point about, you know, his motives and everything, but um, it was just really hard to watch it as much as they had it in the movie. So, but either way, I just think like they don't give you that warning about Saw movies where, you know, they're like torturing people into making moral choices and things like that, where it's like, well, that's pretty disturbing too. And you don't give the warnings for that. So it was just interesting that this is the movie that they chose to kind of be like that with. Like they had a ton of theaters that were giving warnings about it. And even the one I went to was saying something like, you know, just be aware this isn't your typical R-rated movie and all these things before they let you show your ID. So it's just interesting the marking of it and how that kind of probably is making it even a bigger spectacle in a sense than it would have been anyway because of how they're hyping it in that way, which I didn't really, that's not necessarily the movie specifically, but just something else surrounding the movie that I didn't really care for. Um yeah, that's going to be my big things for it. I just want to touch on one thing real quick, Justin. Um, just to kind of clarify something that you were saying earlier, Heather, when it comes to like a version of the Joker, um, they're very much like pretty much with all comic book characters. There's multiple versions of the Joker out there. Um, you do have the one that is more or less like the, an agent of chaos type of thing. And it's very much the uh, like the one we got in 
Dark Knight with uh, Heath Ledger. He's very much just that uh, chaotic evil character um, thriving on all that. Um, there are versions of the Joker that are straight up just homicidal. There are there's and my personal favorite version of the Joker is one that is he's considered hyper sane. He's not considered insane. He's considered hyper sane that he's actually just so sane. He sees the world as it actually is more so than anybody else. And that's why he is the way he is. It's because he's actually seeing the world for what it is. Um, there's multiple versions of the Joker. Um, but that's also what has always been great about the Joker. And one thing that kind of makes this movie fall flat is the Joker doesn't actually have an yeah. origin story. There's been a few out there, but they always kind of write it away. He doesn't have anything that's distinctly an origin for him. There's one that was kind of, he was the Red Hood or the comedian at one point. Um, and, but then they, they've changed that to where he was a circus performer and all this other stuff. So they've kind of bounced him around. I mean, Batman 89 made him the killer of um, Batman's parents, you know, so there's a few versions of, of the Joker's origin out there, but that's always been what's made him so great is it's impossible to nail down why he does what he does. And I think that's what always made him great because Batman's origin has been like the same throughout. Even in this movie. You know, yeah. no matter how you change Batman. Yeah. No matter how you change what. Oh, God. I'm sorry, Jess. I'm going to have to say it before we go because Heather just. I'm fucking tired of seeing the Waynes die. Fucking tired <laughs> of it. Can we do something with Batman and not have the Waynes die? Just something. Just anything. Just not yeah. have the Waynes die. Fuck off. Um, But like, that's always been the big. That it just always kind of showed the dichotomy of what Joker and Batman are is the Batman's origin story is always the same. The Joker's isn't. The Joker's is very much always up in the air. The Joker's is very much a mystery. And so it really is that yin yang thing or the yin yang like with it is the fact that they are just so opposite of each other. Mm -hmm. You know, that the one Joker I know of that truly, truly has an origin is what's called the Flashpoint Joker, um, which that's in an alternate timeline where instead of the, the Wayne family getting killed, uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne, uh, Joe Chill actually kills Bruce Wayne, the kid mm. instead. And his dad becomes an ultra violent uh, justice at any oh. cost version of Batman. And his mom has a psychotic break and becomes the Joker. Yes, it's a very interesting version of that. Um, but it also still plays on the idea of the dichotomy of it's a family. They both lost the same son. They both go opposite directions Yeah, with how they handle it. That's what is so beautiful about Batman and the Joker is they're, they're opposites, which sometimes they're so opposite of each other that it makes them alike. Mm -hmm. You know, you have that aspect of it. So by having nothing to bounce the Joker off of this in this movie... I, I do. Yeah, I have definitely heard that there are many different versions of the Joker and everything like that. And and that's and again, this is me speaking as someone who was never like somebody that read the comics or anything like that. So that's why I guess the only things I've seen portrayed on screen really was that Agent of Chaos um, one. And I, I liked that one a lot, though, because I think as a villain, the way that that's portrayed just makes a lot of sense to me. And not to say that people who aren't, you know, mistreated and bullied or abused or anything when they're younger don't like not to say that they can't grow up to become that way or anything like that. So not saying it's like a, you know, unheard of story for the reason somebody would become, you know, a murderer and something like that. But just kind of also that stigma that it does put on mental health in a way of like you know when this happens 
you know, to someone with mental health problems, then this is what you're going to get. And I didn't really like that part of it. And just the fact that the agent of chaos one really, that makes the villain so captivating where it's just like, sometimes that's an even scarier type of person when you're like, I don't know why you're like that. You just like it. And that's even scarier, you know? So that's why I like that version of it. But yeah, I definitely, I didn't realize some of those versions. But yeah, I think that um, maybe that's why I just liked that version of the Joker better than this one. So. All right, Justin, after a lot of anticipation, what do you not like about this movie? Okay, so um, so uh, so coming out of this movie, uh, when it was over and it was all said and done, I walked out and I mean, you know, overall I liked it, but I didn't love this movie. I didn't. And for the longest time, it it took a little while of thinking and reflecting. And I just couldn't put my finger on what was the thing that I didn't enjoy about this the most? Why am I not so quick to say what I've seen other people say on my timelines and on my social media and all these uh, fans that are watching the film? And I've heard everything from this is a masterpiece or, man, this is a great cautionary tale about how we as a society can beat up on people with mental issues and the poor and stuff like that. And sometimes we as a society can create these monsters and everybody is kind of having, you know, the people that, especially those that love this movie, that they, they, they just have all these theories about what this meant and how they enjoyed this so much. And when I walked out of the theater, I just didn't quite feel the same way. And, I, you know, and, and I think um, just after making some notes and after really thinking about it and thinking about what this movie was trying to say, or maybe more so what it should have said and didn't say, I, I, I've come up with just a few things. And some of the things were uh, things that you guys definitely touched on um, at different times and things like that. But uh, I, hopefully I'll say a few things that are different here just with my interpretation of the film and uh, what I thought um, overall. Well, first of all, kind of like what you were saying about Thomas Wayne earlier, to me, that was the first thing that just kind of struck me as a little uncomfortable because Thomas Wayne is has always been portrayed in what I've read and just what I've seen as this good man he was this good he was actually one of the rich people that that actually cared about people and he tried to have all of these programs to help people and different things like that and he was a prominent figure for that he was known as that that prominent figure in Gotham is somebody who was trying to help people and fight the good fight, so to speak. So it was weird here to see him painted as this asshole kind of character. It was weird to kind of see him positioned as kind of this rich person that just uh, was that just really didn't care about poor people, but he was kind of running uh, as a government official and stuff like that. And I kept kind of thinking about Donald Trump and I was kind of like, is he kind of supposed to be a Donald Trump, kind of this rich, privileged person who kind of has no perspective of, you know, because that's kind of the narrative. Well, if you talk to people who don't support the president, that's kind of the narrative, right? This rich person who's involved in politics, but he's 
kind of he doesn't understand poor people he looks down on people smaller than him and he's kind of got this ego but he has these aspirations in government and so I, I didn't know if there was a parallel that the film was trying to make or if that's why they positioned Thomas Wayne to be that way but honestly th that was a little uncomfortable like, like I was like well it, it, is this the Thomas Wayne that 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 would have is this the father that would have inspired a Batman? Is this the father that Bruce Wayne would have uh, respected and loved and been like, oh man, you know, part of the reason why I'm Batman is not only just because my parents died, but because of who his parents were and what they meant. So I don't know, man. I just kind of was uncomfortable with that. And from a realistic perspective, I, I do get the, the you know, there are going to be those people that go, well, this was supposed to be a more realistic Joker, and this is supposed to be a more human, more realistic portrayal. So would a rich person w w really be caring about <laughs> uh, poor people and different things like that, and, and, and really would there be just this uh this tender-hearted privileged person that that just cares about the poor is that more realistic or is what more realistic a rich person who pretends to be that but really he looks down on these people and he's just tried to take advantage of the government for his own means and things like that so uh, yeah so maybe even though that view is more pessimistic I get it. So maybe that's like a forgivable thing. But for me, it just made me being the fan of this lore and the fan of Batman. That was just kind of something that bothered me. The whole thing with uh, Thomas Wayne being the way that he was. Um, another thing is just kind of like what you guys were saying. I, I do feel that even though this movie, I did give it credit for being that dark and gritty movie and having that presentation about it. Uh, honestly, I think that this movie, when it's all said and done, played it relatively safe. Honestly, when, when it came to some of the themes and some of the things it was trying to get across, like kind of like what Sterling was saying earlier, all of the people that Joker killed are kind of people that the narrative positions as people that kind of deserved it or maybe they had it coming or, you know, you could find some reason reasoning within the narrative to why Joker, uh, to why that person died or why that person was killed. Uh, what I didn't see enough of, and this kind of harkens to what Heather was talking about, was that kind of impulsive, chaotic Joker that just kills because he enjoys killing. And 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 a lot of times in the, the, the Joker that I enjoy and I remember when he kills innocent people, it's the same as him killing somebody who he thinks he deserves it. Either way, he just enjoys the experience or either way, it's just it, he's very indifferent most of the time when it comes to that thing. And of course, there are times in stories where he will kill for a purpose or he's trying to bait Batman or he's killing to get some sort of psychological advantage. But a lot of times Joker's indifferent to killing. So there were opportunities in this movie, I think, to make him like that. But I feel like because the narrative was trying to make it 
uh, was trying to play it too safe and it was trying to make him the sentimental villain. It didn't do that. The one scene that kind of stands to mind is when he kills his alleged friend that gave him the gun and then later tattled on him and got and caused him to kind of was one of the reasons why he lost his job and everything like that. Uh, the, the heavyset character that was in the movie. Well, he kills that guy and there, and, and, and when he kills this guy, he kills him in front of this uh, dwarf, uh, the, the, this dwarf guy who was also kind of a friend of Arthur Fleck and who was also a fellow co-worker. And he lets the dwarf go. He the And there's kind of this scene, which I laughed. It, it was kind of a funny scene where the he kills the guy and then the dwarf is just trying to get out of there, but he can't reach the 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 latch to get the door and Joker kind of opens it for him and says, you were one of the only people that was nice to me. And he kind of kisses the guy and let him go. Why not let Joker kill that guy, man? Why, why, why didn't that guy get it too? You, you know, that, that that's just one of those things where like, I feel like if the movie was really trying to, by the end, solidify him as, as his, as this villain, a person like that needs to be killed too. You know, it can't just be these people where the narrative has kind of convinced us that they kind of deserved it in a way. Now, sure, when you look at the grand scheme, did his mother deserve to be suffocated on a pillow because she had lied to him and different things like that and had allowed him to go through this abuse and was part of the abuse and stuff like that? Maybe she didn't deserve to be suffocated. Yeah, I get it that he still shouldn't have killed her. But still, the way it was all positioned in the narrative, he was killing people who he thought deserved it. The talk show host, Robert De Niro's character, was trying to use him uh, and really was bringing him on the show to laugh at him, not really to give him an opportunity and things like that. So he shot him because of that. Everybody that he killed, except for the psychiatrist at the end, which some are arguing, was that a delusion or did he really kill that person? But... You know, the, the the narrative went out of its way to make everybody either be mean to him or everybody was a dick to him. Everybody was an asshole to him. And when a person was nice to him, like Zazie Beetz character, it was imagined. So not her either. Or that was another character. Like when he was in that room and he's sitting there and he's shivering and shaking and he comes to her room because he had imagined this relationship and she walks in and she's like, uh, what are you doing in my, what are you doing here? My son is asleep, you know, uh, can you please leave? Why doesn't that character get killed? Why not? Like, like I feel like it, it, the Joker I know would have just killed all these. He would have just ended <laughs> these people too. But in this film, it, it, I felt like it played it safe with that. They wanted him to be this kind of redemptive kind of um uh, th this sentimental villain but I think that by the end of the movie you needed to definitively say this is not a good person or I needed to definitively walk out and think okay I can see why this person becomes the Joker but I didn't quite feel that way so I feel like that is definitely a flaw of the film because if this is to be about Joker, you've got to follow those things. And you guys were talking about 
the different interpretations of the Joker. Well, one thing about the Joker that I have always appreciated and one thing that I do think is a constant with his character is that he is very much a criminal mastermind. His moves are calculated moves. He does things and they normally serve a purpose. Yes, he's crazy and everything like that, but it's a very much a controlled chaos. Even in the Dark Knight movie, he was doing certain things to prove a point. He made a lot of calculated moves. Um, uh, even in the um, original Jack Nicholson Joker, there were calculated moves. He was trying to, he, he used his charisma to kind of get on the side of Gotham, but ho the whole time there was this plan to poison people and stuff like that. I saw none of the criminal mastermind of the Joker in this film. And I'm not saying he needed to have it. I get that this was kind of a Joker Begins, but I wish that there were inklings of that. I, I wish that there were some more calculated moves. I wish I could have walked away from this feeling like, okay, I can see how this person becomes a criminal mastermind. But honestly, did, did any of you guys feel like this is the guy that be, that becomes a criminal mastermind? This guy that suffered from these mental health issues and this guy that seemed very impulsive, didn't think much about anything he was doing. The whole riot and clown movement that he started was purely accidental. And it wasn't anything that it was just kind of all these things were just kind of happening to him. But I didn't get the sense that this is a person that could become a cold, calculated person to challenge Batman. I didn't really get that from this character. And I do think that that is something, no matter what kind of Joker you're talking about, that is like the one constant, man, is he does a lot of things for a reason. He is very much a criminal mastermind. And I didn't see that in this character. So I do think that those are, are definitely flaws. Like, I didn't walk out of this fully feeling like, okay, this is a person that I see giving Batman a run for this money. This seems like somebody who would impulsively do some stuff and Batman would just capture him in a matter of minutes. I don't know if this is a guy that could one day be heralded as the clown prince of crime. That's not what I got from this film. And I don't know if the film, and maybe the film wasn't going for that. Maybe the, the film was just trying to give us a completely different version of this character, but I couldn't help but be a little disappointed that I didn't see more of those aspects of the Joker. Yeah. Well, yeah, because this, this Joker was very much like a... Right. He was a lucky Joker. Like, he lucked into a lot of the shit. Like, he just... Shit happened, and he kind of luckily got it on. Um, To touch on a couple of things, a lot of people are just assuming that he killed Zaze Beats just off camera. Oh, I wasn't mm. thinking that. <laughs> okay. That is that is a big thing. A lot of people are talking about that, that he killed her. Um, But to kind of touch on something you guys brought up a couple of times that also like bothers me about this movie, is this movie really hinges a lot on some stuff being in his head and some stuff not being in his head and blurring the lines with what's what in such a way that I feel like it was a cheap trick to 
allow them to say, you know, if somebody didn't like something, they can go, well, that was just in his head. It gives them like that ultimate out, like that they can always get rid of something. I know they're not saying, I know they're saying they're not doing a sequel or they'll never do one with a Batman or anything like that. But it really just kind of feels like they did this solely to where if they did do a sequel or something like that, they can change whatever they want and just say, oh, well, that other thing was in his head. It's fine. Like just to give them a cop out because they didn't want to definitively say something. It's kind of like, I mean, just the way they portray everything with this, like, you know, when Jasmine, you were talking about how they didn't definitively make him that character or not necessarily make him that character, but didn't definitively say or show that he's not the character to root for. Um, I feel like that was on purpose too, because to me, as much as anything, this movie glorifies that if you feel downtrodden against, you're more than, you know, it's more than okay. And you will be heralded as a hero if you lash out with violence, if you feel just slighted by society. And like I said earlier, that's not, that's not a good message for today's time you can't be giving that message away in 2019 i mean the last time it's just one of those situations where i mean there are people that like there was a theater there was a couple of showings of the joker that were canceled because of threats of violence and continuing mass violence that we have already seen before in relation to batman movies in movie theaters and in random towns across america as a whole anyway there have been threats to do that because of this movie and which to me plays into what this movie does glorify whether it's intentional or not that's what they did you know by having him kill all these people and admit to kill these people and then killing robert de niro's character on national television or well I, whatever fuck television it was i think it'd be kind of weird if that's just a gotham only show that's not how tv operates but by glorifying him doing that you know so much so that a train of people attack two cops that he just luckily got away from because it was fairly obvious that he was the person they wanted to talk to because he's a murderer and not very good at any of it you know so he just luckily got away from that stuff and then he gets captured and then just luckily gets hit by a van of people wearing his mask you know and and why did they play that scene almost like it was an intentional like they were jailbreaking him knowingly you know I know they kind of played it as like the guy happened to walk around and see him in the car, but just the way they did everything then felt like a rescue afterwards. Yeah. And I guess the only ultimately comic booky thing about this movie that I honestly felt was the fact that apparently Joker can just take infinite amounts of damage and just be fine. I mean, he gets hit in that car that essentially kills two cops who were wearing seatbelts and he wasn't. Right. And he's the only one that walks away from it. <laughs> and he's relatively fine. You know, he's just got, what, a bloody nose or lip or whatever. And another thing about that scene, too, is that there are people that, that are saying that, well, did that really happen? Because because that happens and they kind of herald him and it's like, oh, hail to the king kind of moment. But then we're in the but then we're in Arkham State Hospital with a psychiatrist. So there are people that are like, well, did that happen or did he imagine that's what happened? Did he imagine himself as this person that everybody that all these rioters and all these people kind of gave credit to as the leader of this movement or did that even happen or did he just was that another delusion of grandeur that he was having so there are people that say that didn't happen but but like you said i mean there's i guess there's a lot of that with this shit but that was another theory i heard is that that was imagined that didn't happen he really just 
road to the to Arkham State Hospital. Which I mean, okay, if that's what you know could have been imagined, that's great for the narrative and everything. But unfortunately, the movie itself the itself still portrays him as a hero. Like, unfortunately, the movie still did it. Like, yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem. Just didn't definitively say anything. It didn't. So is he, a, you know, because the way that looked visually, it was like he was this hero. And I get that. This is from his perspective. So to him, he is the hero. But I, but Joker has never I've never seen a version where Joker saw himself as the hero of the story. That's not anything that he necessarily needs. I don't think that's ever been his motivation. Or, or, you know, I I haven't read or seen a version of that. So uh, even if you say that, well, this was told from his perspective, so he saw himself as a hero. I don't really work that well for me either. You know, well, I was just going to ask real quick to what Justin was saying. So why did they make the Joker essentially Magneto in this? Because that was always Magneto's thing to Professor X is they both viewed themselves as right, like morally right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so they made the Joker Magneto. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to just mention that last scene, too, with the therapist and how, you know, there's obvious hints that he killed the therapist that he was talking to. But my thing is, like, when you're in a like a hospital like that isn't there usually someone outside of that door guarding it and not leaving like a therapist alone in a hospital of people who have mental health problems <laughs> like i'm like why was no one there to at least like try to get him off of her if he did try to kill her or if he did kill her you know so i'm just kind of like how did that even work like to where he would be able to have done that I don't know. Well, Arkham would be different than a normal hospital because Arkham Asylum for the criminally insane would have essentially even more security. He would at least been chained to the table. like Right, yeah. To where he could, because he would have been treated like a murderer. Right. Not just somebody with mental health issues, you know. Which would have at least allowed her the chance to like sort of get away near the door or something, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, because he would have had the range of movement of like four inches, you know, like that'd be the whole point of it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it should be he's a he is a criminal prisoner that happens to be getting psychiatric treatment at this specialized hospital for the criminally insane, which don't even get me started on that because that's a weird issue with Batman in general. But yeah, the, everything about that scene was just to also add, you know, another thing of him just doing something that they don't want to commit to or not commit to you know yeah they very easily like i said by showing all this shit off camera they could argue like oh no he just punched her in the nose and ran around giggling right she just had a very bloody nose you know they could just change it to whatever they want yeah and now that i'm thinking about it too like he spent a good portion of this movie getting beat up by a bunch of people one time including younger kids but people that work at a hospital like that were just like chasing him down as if he was just so difficult to get a hold of you know and i'm just like how does that work because like uh, i mean maybe his confidence grew and whatever and so he was more powerful and more violent because because he had more confidence in doing that but either way i'm just like these are like people that work in a in a hospital like this where surely they've probably seen something like that before and they're just it's like they just don't even they can't even handle him like he's just so off the wall that they they can't even get to him when nothing else up to that point 
made it seem like he was that difficult to really um, get a hold of or control physically, you know? Well, I guess I'm forgiving of that just because essentially at its whatever, at its verbally saying so, it's a comic book movie. Sure. And if you know anything about comic books, anybody that's not a superhero can't stop a supervillain no matter what. <laughs> right. So whether or not they're just a regular orderly or just a regular cop... <laughs> They're pretty much useless. Got it. Okay. So I just kind of accepted that at this point. And plus, I mean, I had also just was beaten down into just a utter disassociative state at this point that I gave zero fucks either. That could have been part of it too. <laughs> that I was just more or less resigned that this movie was going to put up whatever bullshit that they coke, like these cocaine fuel dreams gave them. <laughs> To where they were just going to do whatever the fuck they wanted anyway. Um, but I mean, like, the weirdest thing about this movie, to me, it's, it's something that Jastin was, like, I mean, I've mentioned and Jastin's mentioned. But it's like, it felt so weird that they were, whether it was a dream or not, that they glorified the Joker. Like, I, that's something you make fun of kids about, you know? Because you'll have all these kids that go to fucking Hot Topic. And they'll buy their Harley, Harley Quinn and Joker love each other mm -hmm. t-shirts. Or they'll post a fucking meme on Facebook. Talking about how, like, oh, Joker and Harley Quinn, a better love story than Twilight. And you're like, no, it's not. Like, in no way, shape, or form, because the Joker's always a fucking terrible asshole. The Joker's an incredibly abusive, like, a psychologically and physically abusive person who is just manipulating and uh, psychologically breaking down Harley Quinn at every given point. And, no, their, their relationship's terrible, but it was always romanticized. So you could always tell who was, like, just stupid and immature by whether or not they romanticized the Joker and Harley mm -hmm. Quinn ever. And then that's what this movie does. This movie is this weird masturbatory dream that I'm assuming, I guess, Todd Phillips, I don't fucking know who wrote this movie, but Todd Phillips is the one that directed it. It's this weird masturbatory film he has to say that, oh, people don't like my comedy anymore. So, like, here's a big fuck you to society and what society is okay with. And, I mean, I feel like the next movie Todd Phillips is going to direct is this movie about how you watch this little boy grow up in the, you know, 1910s. And, you know, he goes through all these things and he gets bullied and, you know, all this other stuff. And you really kind of start to feel for the guy. And you're like, no, this guy's had a real hard life. And, you know, I hope something turns around for him because, you know, he really kind of, you know, he, he needs a break from all the shittiness he's going through. And then next thing you know, it turns out the movie was about Hitler. Right. Like, it's the same type of thing. There's nothing redeemable about Hitler. You don't need a backstory <laughs> to maybe make you feel like he was sympathetic just to find out he was Hitler. Like, that's what the Joker is. The Joker is evil. I mean, there's a version of the Joker out there that blew up Metropolis with an atomic bomb. And so you're saying that, that, oh, he might have a sympathetic backstory. So maybe he's not that bad, guys. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Do you have such a ill grasp on what reality is that you have to try to justify these terrible fucking things for the sake of you just saying you're creating this artistic fucking movie and then to top it all off if anybody knows me i love me some martin scorsese he's he's one of my favorite directors out there produce this movie which is very obvious because it ripped off like 97 of his movies but then he comes out and like takes a shot at marvel talking about how oh a marvel movie is not real film well what the fuck is this martin <laughs> i had serious problems with Avengers Endgame. Serious fucking problems. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> I will gladly watch that every day for the rest of my life before I ever fucking watch this piece <laughs> of shit again. 
<laughs> want to sit there and act like this is high fucking art. This is a paint by the numbers to a Martin Scorsese film. And then you just happen to not know what coloring is. So you make all the fucking pictures of the main guy, a clown face instead of a regular face. Fuck this movie. Anything else? Oh, also a shout out to, um, Brian Tyree Henry again, the guy that's in Atlanta that was in the child's play movie. That was the clerk in this that he was talking to. Um, I don't know why, but any role he plays, like I just love him because he's so subtle with everything that he does that his acting is very, it's very good to me because he does things in a very subtle and realistic way. So it was just kind of like a little pleasant surprise to see him in this movie because I didn't know he was in it. And it's not a very big role. I mean, he's in it for like three minutes, but um, I just really enjoyed him in that. I think he's, I just think he's a really good actor and he should have more, uh, big time roles so that's all yeah no they wasted him too so don't even get me started <laughs> on that you already wasted me some zaze <laughs> like come on how the fuck do you waste a zaze beats i know devin had a huge issue with them uh was it wasting sarah paulson right yeah in bird box no this is an infinitely bigger set <laughs> You wasted his Zaze beats. <laughs> I mean, essentially, out of the four main characters from Atlanta, this movie wasted 50% of Atlanta's <laughs> cast. Are you fucking serious? You take one of the best shows that has been on TV and you waste 50% of its main cast? Come the fuck on. Yeah. Unforgivable. <laughs> Who did I start with first? Who just went? Justin. All right. Justin, what's your recommendation and score? Okay. Well, do I recommend this? Uh, for the most part, yeah, but I, I think it's one of those where I do have to recommend with a couple of warnings. Obviously, if you're a fan of DC, if you're a fan of Joker and Batman lore and things like that, then of course you're going to want to check this out. Of course you're going to want to see this movie. The warnings about this being too violent or the warnings about this being, I mean, if you could shit... Uh, uh, shit. If you could sit through a John Wick movie where like 50 people are shot and killed, uh, you won't be too bothered by this. I, I don't think that, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that the, 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 the kill count or the gore or anything like that is, um, it would be a problem for anybody to sit through. So I just fail to understand why people are, why I'm hearing different things and different dirt sheets are saying people are walking out because it was just too crazy. I think thematically, like kind of like what Heather was saying, there are some dark themes. There are some very touchy themes as far as a person with mental health and how they're treated and different things like that. So there are those themes that, that I think are uncomfortable. But as far as the content, like I said, I think overall the narrative plays it pretty safe and kind of gives you this person who was picked on and everything like that. But when he kind of finds himself and becomes this avenging monster, he kind of rises above that in a way that 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 is kind of what this is and that's weird because it's a supposed to be about the joker but that's kind of how the narrative is positioned in a way so uh so i don't so you know but but if you're a fan of this character then you got to see this so that you can be part of the conversation of course now all of the who is the best joker conversations can begin and you know you want to be a part of that conversation so you have to go see this 
But the warnings that I'm going to give is that if you're just more of a casual movie goer, you're just trying to check things out, you might be drawn to the reviews about Joaquin Phoenix's performance. You might want to see it for those reasons. But remember, this is just a very gritty, sad a uh, dark movie a lot of bad things happen and a lot of this is a person who's mistreated uh constantly in society and you know this isn't um exactly the feel-good picture of the year so if that's the kind of picture you're looking for then yeah you probably aren't going to enjoy this because it's pretty sad and dark and it keeps those tone that that at least that atmosphere and that tone uh throughout um, as far as a score, I'm going to give it 65 uh, clown-faced rioters um, <laughs> praising the Joker like he's the third coming of Jesus out of 100. Um, I, I do think that overall, this film, to me, is kind of one of those films... Kind of, it's a it's a decent film in the sky, and but it's disguising itself as a great film. That that's kind of what I I think I'm landing on just after our conversation tonight. It's well acted. Joaquin Phoenix delivers a a great performance, arguably one of his better performances in his career. It's well shot. the 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 story narratively doesn't have too many holes it pretty much gets from beginning to end and there's not a lot of confusion except for like the delusions and stuff like that but for the most part the narrative is pretty straightforward i mean you you you, you it's pretty much a straightforward narrative and, and like i said it's well shot it's well um it, it's it's visually appealing and there are a lot of memorable scenes and it is a compelling story in the sense that like Heather was saying, even it, though the, it has the Joker name on it, this could be a film about just a, a, any, a, a person going through this and it would be a compelling film. So I do feel like all of those things, the Joker name, the media hype, the fact that it is well acted, the fact that it is well shot D is on the surface, people are walking out thinking that this was just a great masterpiece of a film. But I feel like that is like the surface level stuff. That's the, 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 the that's kind of the disguise. But ultimately, what you really have is a movie that plays it safe and kind of glorifies a villain when really it should be doing more of a job to say this is a villain. This, I should have walked out of this wanting this to be the guy that I can't wait for Batman to take out. But ultimately, I walked out <laughs> almost kind of feeling like the movie wanted me to be happy at his position and... I can't do that. Heather, your turn. Yeah, that's fair. I when my initial thoughts on this after I saw it were it is it's good to see one time. Like it's it's one of those check it out at some point type of movies. I think it's interesting enough to um to recommend, you know, if if you are into um, you know, the Joker and just all of that like uh, like Jassy was saying about the lore. Um, yeah, check it out. I mean, even just as, um, I mean, it's an interesting way that they told the story and everything like that. I, I wouldn't say, you know, it's definitely like, let's rewatch it. Like for me, the dark Knight is like, I could watch that movie 
several times. Like, it's a great movie. This isn't one that I would say, oh, yeah, let me watch it several times. And not to try, I know it's going to be a big thing comparing the different Joker versions and all that. And totally not trying to get into that with that. I'm just saying, like, a darker type of movie in general that there are some of those that I can say I would totally recommend watching this all the time because it's a great movie but this just isn't one of those um i think it's i think joaquin phoenix did do a good enough performance in this because it was great to say watch it for his performance and his portrayal of the character um someone else might think it's great they might think it's the best joker they've ever seen i personally didn't think so um i think how he did it was great like what he was going for with it he did a great job at portraying it but just in general not my favorite portrayal of the joker and just a lot of um just other you know of the issues that we talked about that i'm just kind of like it's probably not something that i will watch again anytime soon um so that's sort of my recommendation for it then i guess is like watch it at least once just to just to see what what it's all about and what the hype is all about with it um but again being sensitive to you know if if you are very easily triggered by violence or by bullying or um just just be aware that how they portray mental illness and bullying and things like that it might um it could trigger some people so um my score for this one is going to be um i'll say like 55 visits to the Wayne mansion um out of 100 it's it's okay for me um i i give it 55 because i think about other movies that i'm on the fence about and it's just it tips it over a little bit more to the to the positive side for it for me than the negative on this one so I'm going to give it a 55. So for me, my recommendation um, for this movie, I'll quote a story that literally happened earlier today. I had a coworker who asked me, did you see the new Joker film? I was like, yeah. He's like, what'd you think? And I said, fuck that movie. And that was the end of that <laughs> conversation. Because he was like, well, okay then. Because no, I don't recommend this movie at all. Just never. If this movie just never existed, it'd be even better. But the fact that this movie exists, and I think if you haven't seen this, and for whatever reason you listen to this podcast, I think you should then actively try to never watch this. <laughs> like a scene of it ever. Like if you're flipping through channels and it's on HBO, and you just see the Joker come up on the little caption thing at the bottom, just hit next channel as fast as possible just skip on ahead if you're going through stuff you know the tv guide part of it and you see the joker just keep on tapping if you see this in the i think this it'll be called hbo max or whatever the uh warner brothers streaming service will be which this will end up on because it is a warner brothers property and when you see it on there just go watch something else it's just not worth it ever even if somebody was like hey we will you know give you a million dollars to watch this movie just say no oh, it's wow. not worth it at all there's just literally nothing out there that they could do to make me watch this movie again even if they were like sterling if you don't watch this movie again we won't make john wick four i'll say three was good enough we're gold that's hardcore it's just you know they could come to me kevin feige himself could come to me and go sterling i need you to watch the joker again or we're not going to make the disney plus series moon knight i'll go man i've got some good comic book memories of him and you know i used to beat some ass on that you know, Marvel Ultimate Alliance's Moon Knight. That's good enough. And there would just never be a Moon Knight TV series. And I'd be okay with that because nothing can make me watch this movie again. I give this one midsummer out of <laughs> one midsummer. Good God. Yeah. I, I, I really do feel the same way. I, I really do. Uh, 
I just, I did not find anything redeeming in this movie. And, uh, you know, because it wasted his Aussie beats. I can't forgive that. At least the girl, you know, in Midsummer was kind of cute. So, you know, that gives it something. This wasted his Aussie beats. Just, uh, just can't deal with that. Anything else before we close this out, guys? Nope. Nope. I do love the fact that Midsummer has become a score type for me that I've actually used more than once. So, I guess kudos to you, Midsummer. Um, Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Check us out on www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers Podcast. I do not know why I got stuck on the word Slayers, but I did. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh, we do have brand new merch with their, you know, fancier new logo. Um, so go check that out if you, which is cinemaslayers.threadless.com. Or you could just go to cinemaslayers.com and check up in the top right hand corner. And you'll see a little tab that says merch. Click that and you'll go right to our store. We have tons of awesome things there and it's all fancy and nice and it looks good and it feels good they've got really soft shirts so buy them because they feel good on the skin but on top of all that we do have a very special extra awesome announcement for everybody out there on december 4th 2019 cinema slayers will be taking place or will be performing at the first annual south side pod fest here in chicago uh this will be our first live show um so we are all super excited about that we, we will have more details coming to the facebook instagram and twitters uh as soon as we get some of that because uh, we do realize that is coming up but when they send us more promotional materials uh we will be sending um those out uh, this will be this podcast. Uh, fuck me. This podcast festival is done over a f- uh, four Wednesday nights, uh, spread out uh, over the month of November, and the last one taking place on December fourth. So we are on the last night of this podcast festival. We are super excited. Woo! I really thought that. Hey, oh yeah. <laughs> Cinema Slayers going live, baby. All right, good. I thought I was like, really, guys? I was like, that was, you know, very anticlimactic when I had to wait. <laughs> but nobody else will hear that because I'll cut out that gap. But we are super excited about that. We are super honored to be a part of it. Uh, we do have a special topic just for that. We will be recording it. It will be released out to you guys, so you will be able to listen to it, too. Um, but that also means that week uh we will be together in person so we will also be recording our first episode all together um that week uh we have even thrown around the idea of uh visually recording that so people can also see us interact and do that just for that episode because we will actually all be around each other and we're just super stoked about that so we will actually be recording two episodes that week in person for the first time ever Super awesome. Like I said, we'll give you guys more details. Uh, check that out. We we can actually already tell you the episode, uh, the non-live episode we will be recording uh, that will be for the movie Knives Out uh, that comes out the um, right after Thanksgiving. So that will be the episode we are recording for that. Uh, I'd also like to give a very special shout out to another podcast that I produce, the Happy Corner Podcast. I don't really do anything other than you know, sound and editing for those guys, but they were also accepted to the Southside Podfest on the Wednesday before us, on Wednesday, November 27th, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, Blackout Wednesday. Um, also, go check them out, the Happy Corner Podcast. Uh, so, congrats to them also for getting accepted to this. We're super stoked. Remember, guys, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. <laughs> What the holy fuck? That was not a bad joker laugh.
And then he follows up with that. <laughs> he follows up with that traditional jasting giggle. Right. 